Good evening, everybody. To God be the glory. <laughs> That's all right. Well, the last two weeks we've had teachings on Israel and the Temple Mount. And we found out some amazing things. But I did give you all a bit of information that was backwards last Tuesday. So I want to correct that before we go to the Lord in prayer. And that was during the Yom, Yom Kippur War, uh, I had confused that time with 1972 when the, the war that took place with Yom Kippur on Yom Kippur was 1973. So I wanted to make sure that I gave you accurate information. And um, I tell you, it is amazing to know that God is already have the Jews constructing parts of the new temple. It's already under construction. And if you want to read more about that, you go to templeinstitute.org and you find out all kinds of information. Yeah. Uh, my advice for you to go back and study the Six-Day War of 1972, what happened with that. Study what happened in Israel War of Independence in 1945, no, excuse me, 47. Of course, in 1948, May 15, 1948, they declared their independence. And if you look back on all these times, you will realize that the United States, other than Yom Kippur in 1973, when Prime Minister uh, Golda uh, Meir called President Richard Nixon and asked for help. That's the only time the United States really, really stood up for Israel. The other time, they abandoned her. However, last week, I do have to bring this to your all attention. Last week, Speaker of the House, uh, Ryan, stated that they were voting to come up with a resolution uh, to denounce the UN action against Israel and to denounce our abstention from voting against the UN resolution that basically told Israel their settlement that they're doing is illegal and also telling Israel that they have no right to the Temple Mount. Oh, good. And so, yeah, right. well, what, what's Ryan's name, the Speaker of the House? Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. And he, he headed this up, and he was, he was passionate about it. He was very adamant about it. And I, I thought I had posted it, Shelly, on Facebook so that y'all could see it and read about it. I mean, hear the video. I, I wish I could have brought it up here. But the nation that bothers Israel is a nation that's doomed for destruction. Tonight, we're going to look at a couple of chapters. We may not get through both of them, but we want to look at Zechariah 14, the last chapter in the book of Zechariah. And we want to look at the second chapter of 2 Thessalonians. And they're both about nearly 500 years apart in their times. And it's amazing to see how they actually line up side by side in their teachings from God. Lord Jesus is not 
messing around. And also, I went back and was reading parts of Revelation that um, from the Jewish Bible called the Complete Jewish Bible. Uh, you can actually download it to um, the U Bible version. They have the different versions there. And uh, I'll just identify you as Miss T tonight. And so uh, that you can go there and reference that. But in the complete Jewish Bible, it lets you and I know that the church is going to be here. People who come up with these doctrine of pre-trib and tribulation and post-trib about the church role in the world, I will say to them, God knows what he's doing. And uh, there's something else that's coming. The world has no idea what's in store for it. Amen. But the church should know because Lord Jesus has given us the prophecies and he's given us his Holy Spirit to help us understand those prophecies Amen. and to live day by day to see those prophecies come true and to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the world and that he's savior. And so it's very important that we, we understand these, these important prophecies given in scripture. All right, we wanna to continue to pray for baby Clayton. Uh, is he back home, Shelly, with his parents? Uh, but he was home last time, so he must be home. Okay, and praying that God will strengthen him. Also, just for a sidebar teaching for you all, one of the things that the Jewish Bible, uh, the Hebrews doesn't really use the concept faith. You know what they use? They use trust. Instead of saying faith, most faith is really a, a Greek word. A Greek action is more uh, abstract. So you can't really reach out and touch faith, right? And get a full understanding of faith. But if I tell you, Miss T, trust me on this, then you would know, oh, he wants me to trust him. And that's the way the Jews would look at it. Trust. I know it is a little warm in here, isn't it? So, uh, I want to kind of have us gravitate more toward that understanding that especially in John 3.16 from a Jewish standpoint of view, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever trusts in him. That's a big difference than having faith, isn't it? Trust means we as English understand trust is an action word that we got to really do something with ourselves with that. Right? And so, Lord Jesus, by God, says, trust me. I got you. So whoever placed their trust in him will not perish but have eternal life. Okay, Shelly, open us in prayer. And Maurice closes in prayer. So that we'll go right to the Bible study. Lord Jesus, I thank you for 
gathering us all together in this Bible study. <coughs> I pray that you work through Pastor Sammy and the Holy Spirit fill him up so he can he can tell us your word and teach us about all the things that you need us to know about. Um, I want to pray for baby Clayton. Yes, Lord. You touch his mom and his dad and heal whatever's going on in his body to help him grow and and help the doctors come up with, with solutions. Just work through them. Yes, Lord. We pray for the, the kids, whatever turmoil and problems they might be going through. Just touch them and let them know you're walking with them, <clears throat> that they're walking with you. In Jesus' name. Maurice closes in prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for allowing us to stay and see another day. Lord, I just ask that you watch over the homeless, watch over the people who doesn't know you, that they get to know you, Lord. Uh, I just pray that you just let us dance the day out. Amen. Well, one of the famous black pastors in this country passed away a couple of days ago. Pastor Eddie Long. Uh, I don't want us to think about the scandals that was involved with his name. Just pray that whatever way things were, that he was reconciled to Christ. Okay. Uh, name is Eddie Long. You said one of the largest churches in Atlanta. And uh, I just pray that people will turn to Jesus. That's what life is all about. Okay. What can we expect tonight? First of all, never forgetting that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That Jesus Christ is the only way in which men, women, boys, and girls can be saved around this world. Regardless of your nationality, regardless of your cultural understanding of religion, regardless of your God. There's only but one God. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Okay? And it's through the seed line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that Jesus Christ came. God sent his son, Jesus, born in the city of David, known as Bethlehem. He looked away. Normally he would answer, but he looked away on me. A little Aiden. But anyway, who, coming of age at age 30, went preached his father good news to the world by way of the nation of Israel. The religious leaders became angry with him. But what's so important is that that same Jesus is the same Jesus that spoke to Moses at the burning bush. He's the same one that was on the top of the mountain when God came down and spoke to the children of Israel and gave off the Ten Commandments. As we know in Exodus chapter 19 and chapter 20. All right. And you'll see him at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. He's the same one that spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And through the subsequent times in chapter 28 when he spoke with Jacob. He's the one that Jacob wrestled with. Okay. And we see that over in chapter 32. It's, it's amazing things. Uh, Jesus is the one that came and told the King David. He told the prophet Samuel, in fact, it was Jesus who called Samuel as a young boy to be a prophet. He was actually the first one of the line of prophets of the nation of Israel and the last judge over the nation of Israel. And it was through this prophet that Jesus established the prophecies, all of the prophets coming on down from Samuel onward, even though we do know Moses was a prophet. In fact, even Jacob, in a sense, was a prophet because Jacob called Jesus Shiloh. He says, when Shiloh comes. So, 
Anyway, what we're seeing here is that Christ's credibility had been established from the beginning in the day that Adam and Eve had fallen in the Garden of Eden. When God spoke to the serpent, he said, and the seed of the woman shall crush your head. It was God in Christ, Christ in God and God in Christ, because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Therefore, it was Jesus in God, and God in Jesus spoke to the serpent and said, I'm going to get you. Okay? And it did in the sense where he said, I'm going to get you by saying, and the seed of the woman, otherwise a descendant of the woman is going to get you, going to take you out. Even though you will bruise his heel, okay? You will call injury to him, but it won't be a fatal blow. Why? Because as we would know, and this was interesting thousands of years later, God will have King David write in Psalms 2, he said, today I have begotten you. You are my son. Okay? Now, David wasn't just a king. David was also a prophet. And here we have it. A thousand years before Lord Jesus came into the world, King David prophesied that the Messiah, because he also called him in that same Psalms, the anointed one, which means Christ or Messiah, which is Meshach in Hebrew. He said that he would be his son. And he said, ask of me, and I will give the nations to you as your inheritance, and the ends of the world as your possession. Now, so throughout those times, we see even David himself would prophesy about the Messiah upon the cross. And not only in Psalms 22, but Psalm 16, he says that you will not leave my body in, in the grave, nor will you allow your Holy One or the Messiah to see corruption, otherwise his body would not rot. Um, David even spoke the very words that Christ said on the cross in Psalms 22, Psalms 34, uh, uh, 33, and all. Just go on down those. I mean, it's multiple places in the Psalms that David actually spoke things that Jesus would do. And then, coming on down, even Solomon, uh, David's son, will speak of Jesus and even call him wisdom in the book of Proverbs, okay? Specifically in chapter 4 and chapter 8, we see this, okay? Then as you bounce on down, even in the Song of Solomon, known as the love book, okay? He is what? He is the lover that the Shulamite woman that was, was looking for. She went searching for him in the middle of the night and said, have you seen my beloved? And then she saw him as one of the watchmen. She didn't know he was watching over her all the time. Now, as we go right on, coming up to the prophet Isaiah, other than David, gave more details about the coming Messiah than any other prophet. And not only he would call the Messiah God's son in that, because he would name him as Emmanuel, right? Meaning God is with us. And we see that restated in Matthew chapter 2. Then, in chapter 9, he also tells us his, his credibility, what he would do. He says, you know, he shall be called what? Counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, okay? The everlasting Father. It's his various name there. And in chapter 11, he talks about also what, how the Spirit will work in him. And 
he will come from the, the, the line of Jesse, the seed of Jesse. Otherwise, he will be that, that rod, that shoot to come out of the rod of Jesse. And it's just an amazing thing that's covered there. And then from chapter 40 onward, we see that Jesus being spoken of as God's servant, his righteous servant. Okay? In chapter 52, it talks about his his passion, in other words, his, his death. Chapter 53, very much details of it. All right? And then as you read on, chapter 54 and 55 and all, and then we see him taking and not only bringing Israel back to God, but bringing the Gentile nations. Even in that chapter 42 and all, it talks about how he will be a light to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles, Gentiles will hear him marching right along. You can hear him in, in, in Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Jeremiah tells us he's the Lord our righteousness. And it's amazing. Ezekiel also seen him coming down in the various forms in chapter 1. He's seen that wheel in the middle of a wheel and the brightness of his glory in the middle of that wheel. Okay? And it just blew him away how Ezekiel actually seen that. He also seen the, the new temple coming in. And then over in Daniel, he's listed more and more as a human. Daniel said, I seen one as the son of man coming on the clouds in his what? In his glory. Okay? Amazing, powerful, powerful stuff. All right? Why are we hearing about all these prophecies in the Bible? Because in Jesus' day, it was only one Bible. It was called the Old Testament. That's what we call the Old Testament. To them, it was called the Torah. And in that, lists all the prophecies about the coming Messiah. Well, Jesus is on earth. He's died. He's raised these men up to carry the gospel. He's back in heaven now. There's this one man on a horse on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians. And Jesus... <laughs> brings him down. He's seeing this bright light shining from heaven. Who's that man? Paul. At that time he was called Saul by his what? He had both a Hebrew and a Greek name. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's Jesus himself having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Saul. And then he saves him. He saves him. Three days later, he fills him with the Holy Ghost. Amazing stuff, isn't it? Then they appointed him on the mission field. Before he appointed him on the mission field, he had him go down into Arabia, known today as Saudi Arabia. And for three years, everybody, Jesus himself taught Paul. Paul speaks of this. He said, I was not taught by men. He said, I didn't go down to Jerusalem to be taught by the, the apostles. He said, I was taught by the Lord himself for three years in Arabia. That's awesome. And now, Maurice Nelson, he's writing a second letter to a church called Thessalonica. You know, we call it Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. But the place is Thessalonica, which is another one of the Roman providence. And this church is made up predominantly of Gentiles. It has some Jewish followers, Jewish Christians in it. And somehow, 
word has gotten out that you know the end times have already come and it was just a crazy crazy style of teaching and now Paul having to correct this false teaching it is applicable that we understand what these false teachings are because what he's going to do anybody ever heard of milestones or markers or fence posts mm -hmm. anybody ever heard of that those things if you took English in, 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 in school it's typical that they use this in English literature to let you know that you're about to put up a fence post or a marker to let your reader know that where you're taking them along the course of your subject. So Paul, in his letters, is going in this letter is going to give us some some fence posts, some mile markers we would say in English, to let us know where we are in human history before the coming of the Messiah. And who is the Messiah? Jesus. Jesus, God's Son. So where are we right now, everybody? Let's take a look. All right, I'll read from the New King James Version. Miss T, what version of the Bible do you have? What's your translation? Okay. All right. Maurice Nelson, what one which one is you which one are you using? Thessalonians. Yeah, Second Thessalonians, chapter two. NIV. NIV? Okay. It's all right. Uh, I'll read from the NIV side, even though it's not my preferred one. Um, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering to him. What do you mean, and our gathering to him? What is, what is he talking about? Concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering to him. What's he referring to? Anyone have an idea? Gathering about him? Not about. To be near him? Not near. You're bouncing around it, Shelly. You're so close. What do you think, Zori? Look at the language again. Concerning the coming. That, that was the key phrase there. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and, uh, watch the connector there. That's the conjunction connecting it. Our being gathered to him. What's he talking about? Being with him, known as the church. No, no, that's what we're called, the end times. He's talking about the end times. We call it the resurrection of the dead or the gathering of the church. This is end time prophecy. He said, I want to tell you about the end time prophecy, what it's going to be like. Okay? Very powerful clue there. He said, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Okay? You already you heard of the term, the day of the Lord. That, that's an Old Testament thing for Judgment Day. Okay? So, I, evidently, there was rumors out there saying that that day has already come. And that Paul them had spread this rumor that this the day of the Lord has already come. And Paul now said, uh-uh, that's not true. You didn't hear any of that from us by letter or by spirit or anything. We didn't tell you that. Now that he's, he's squelched that lie, now he's going to fill in the gap. So 
Now I'm going to tell you what to expect before that day happens. Okay? That's, that's the teaching that he's about to give. I'll go from the King James side, New King James Version. It said, not to be shaken soon in mind or trouble, either by spirit or by word. I just talked to you that. Or by letter is from us. In verse 3, it said, let no one deceive you by any what? Any means. And today, we see a lot of folks out there writing stuff and telling people, oh, Jesus is coming on this day and this hour. You got one nut down in Miami already saying that he's Jesus. He is Jesus. He says it. <laughs> yeah. Now, look what he says, Father. In verse 3, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. I need to give you um, some in-depth teaching on that word. Okay, everybody look up at the screen for a moment. This is the Greek word right here. Apostasia. Now, we need to take a look at some very important clues here. He said, that day will not come. Okay? He's telling you, that day will not come. Right here. Will not come except there come a falling away first. What does he mean by that? Unless there's a falling away first. Have you ever heard of apostasy? Apostate? Ever heard of apostate church? A-P-O-S-T-A-T-E, apostate. Apostate means that you decide to walk away from something and never walk with it again. Typically, King James and others translated it as falling away. It really means to become disloyal and not to walk with the person anymore. So, what is he talking about, Maurice Nelson? He's saying on that day before the day of the Lord happens, all these churches that are filled now are not going to be what? Filled with true believers. Many of the so-called followers of Christ are going to walk away from him. I wish I could have brought a copy of the uh, complete Jewish Bible on, of this passage and let you hear. I, I read it to you from that point of view. What's going to happen now is that these so-called pretenders, the so-called pretenders are followers of Jesus Christ, God is going to do something to them. Are you hearing me? If people, if you're playing with Jesus, pretending to be his followers, and you're not a true disciple of Jesus Christ, it is time to stop the foolishness and get right with God by truly accepting his son Jesus into your heart. Because if you don't, God's going to do something with you if you're here during a time which God allows this to take place. Let's see what, that, that, what that's going to be. 
It says, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Got that? Otherwise, a lot of people are going to not walk with the Lord Jesus Christ anymore. And that man of sin be revealed. That man of sin be revealed. That man of sin be revealed. There's another term for the Antichrist. So before the Antichrist comes, there's going to be a great falling away from Jesus. We don't want nothing else to do with him. Some are going to say. So best now to be anchored and grounded in Jesus. Because if you're not, this is what's going to happen to you. Let's see what that's going to be. The son of perdition, son of perdition is another way meaning son of destruction. In other words, he's going to be destroyed. All right? Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. Meaning, it doesn't matter what religion you are. He's going to say that you He's going to oppose all religion. Not just Christianity, not just Judaism, not just Islamic, but every known religion, he's going to oppose it. Remember, Satan don't want you believing in any form of God, whether it's right or wrong. And this son of sin, this man of sin, it's going to be Satan clone. All right. Let's move it on. So he's going to pose and exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worship. Remember? So that covers all religions, right? So that he sits as God. Now he makes it specific. So that he sits as God in the temple of God. Right now, there's no temple built. So that tells you that's a huge clue. Underline, a temple must be built in order for the Antichrist to do this. Got it? Right now, there's no temple in Jerusalem. Only thing we see is known as the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. And by the way, the Jews never called that the Wailing Wall. That is a fairly new Gentile labeling. About two or three hundred years ago, Gentiles were the ones start calling it the Wailing Wall. So, showing himself that he is God. In other words, he's going to go in this new temple and he's going to sit down and he's going to tell the world and the Jews, I am God. People, it's important that you know the Bible. It's important that you know Jesus that you know Jesus, that you know Jesus. 
because what follows next is going to, if at all possible, going to shake up the very foundation of the true followers of Christ. And only the Holy Spirit is going to be able to keep God's true children from being deceived by this thing. Okay. Now he's reminding them in verse five, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. So evidently they had had that conversation before. And Paul now is reiterating. He said, look, I've told you these things before. The day of the Lord has not come. But yet, in the future, there's one coming. And there's going to be a great falling away from Jesus. A lot of people are going to walk away from him. The first signs that we've seen of that was in John chapter 6 up in Capernaum. The day after Jesus had fed 5,000. And he was back in Capernaum again. And the crowd began to follow him. And he said... And he turned to the crowd and he says to them, I know why you're following me. He says, you're not following me because you want me. You're following me because your bellies were what? Full. And then he began to tell them that he's the bread of life that came down from where? From heaven. And then in his talking with them, he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my Blood. He said, you can't have no part of me. And then that's when they really thought he was crazy and had a demon. And they said, this is a hard saying. How could any man drink this man's blood and, and eat his flesh? And the scripture says, and a great number of them followed him. They walked away and followed him no more. That was the first sign of the falling away. But Paul had not yet been called to be Jesus' disciple. It's apostle. So that was the first one. But yet, this one, what he's talking about, it's going to be global. There's going to be a worldwide falling away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks are going to turn and not walk with the Lord Jesus anymore. Very, very sad day. Verse 6, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness, did you get that? Lawlessness, meaning people are going to be living as if there is no commandments from God. Which has already started. Can you imagine living in a world like that? The last time we seen a world like that, what happened? They got destroyed. They got destroyed. You go, girl. They got destroyed by what? Flood. By a flood. In Sodom and Gomorrah, they got electrocuted. In Sodom and Gomorrah, lightning came down from heaven and burnt them. Okay? <laughs> now, this time, instead of being situated such as in Mesopotamia, where all people lived at that time, or in Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, the twin cities along with the cities in the plain that God destroyed. This time it's going to be where? Worldwide. 
That means in every nation, folks are going to start living like God doesn't exist. Let's move on. Verse 7, we just talked about it. So, for the mystery of lawlessness is what? Let's look over in the NIV side. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. Paul said it, it had begun on his day. People had begun to live as if God did not give commandments. And because for the Jews, they know better than that, don't they? Because God himself stepped down on Mount Sinai and gave them what? Commandments. And then Jesus, God's son, did what? Gave what? Commandments. And in between the two events, in between the two events, God's prophets also gave the commandments of God. And some of the kings reiterated those commandments. One was named Josiah. Remember young Josiah? We talked about him, Shelley, how that young king being eight years old and grew up, and when he first heard the book of the law read to him, he did what? Tore his clothes and wept before God? Because he realized his nation, his people had sinned against God. And he told the priest and all, he said, uh-uh, y'all got to get this right. We have got to do what's right before God. Amen? Look at verse 8. On the King James, I mean, uh, NIV side again, and I'll probably come back to New King James. And then the lawless one, that's another phrase for who? Then the lawless one, who, who's the Antichrist. the Antichrist. Then the lawless one will be revealed. In other words, he's going to be made known to man. God is going to make this joker known. People are going to know this is the most sinful person on earth. Wow. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. In other words, when Jesus comes back, the words out of his mouth and his glory is going to destroy this thing. Remember, let me kind of give you just a little glimpse from the scripture about Jesus' glory, the brightness of his glory. Do you recall reading in Matthew chapter 17 in northern Israel, Jesus take Peter, James, and John up on a high mountain. He led them on top of a high mountain. And when they got on top of that mountain, all of a sudden Jesus began to change in front of them. His clothes became whiter than the what? Huh? No, or milk. 
His clothes became extremely bright, and his face shone brighter than the sun. And I imagine if Maurice Nelson and Tully and Matthew was on that mountain, they would have freaked out too, like Peter, James, and John did. And once again, I like the way the complete Hebrew Bible reads it. And said, and his form began to change. And the color of his clothing got brighter and brighter, and his face shone brighter than the sun. Now, John will witness this another time. What do you think John will witness it the second time? John died an old man. He didn't get his head cut off. You think about John the Baptist. <laughs> Revelation in chapter one. John is not the revelator. Jesus Christ is the revelation. Revelator. It's in Revelation chapter one. He would see Jesus. And he said, I fell at his feet as dead. The glory of Jesus took him out. And the Lord had to revive him in heaven. I didn't think anybody could die in heaven or faint in heaven. But John was still in his natural what? Form. And Jesus in his what? Heavenly form. And he seen Jesus in his heavenly form and you're like, his earthly body couldn't take it. So can you imagine when he comes back, he's coming back in the fullness of his glory. And when his glory shines up on the earth, it's going to take these jokers out. Because darkness overcome the light? No. The light overcomes the darkness. And John will give us a first understanding of that in John chapter 1. Remember? And say and the darkness did not comprehend. The better way is that the darkness did not overtake him. Okay? Or defeat him. Because what happened, Maurice Nelson, if you walk into a very black room and you light a cigarette lighter? What happens? Huh? What happens? Speak louder, son. That's all you see is a light? Son, a great, a great, a great mystery appears in your presence. That little flicker of light all of a sudden overcomes all that darkness that's in that room. That's power. The human mind can't grasp that kind of power. How does a little bit of flicker from a cigarette lighter defeat all that darkness that's in that room? And remember, the brighter that, that light is, the greater that room will do what? Light up. But if it's just a flickering flame, it still overcomes all the darkness in the room, even though it may still appear to be somewhat dark, but it's not complete darkness. Imagine when Jesus comes on this dark earth in the fullness of his glory. What's going to happen to the darkness upon the earth? He's going to destroy it. 
There's power in the presence of Jesus. Amen? Remember his glory. His reflection is still a part of him. That's something we got to get a hold of. So, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. In other words, there's going to be something that's happened. There's going to be a false prophet on the earth. We're going to go to Zechariah here, and we're going to take a stationary break from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to go to Zechariah chapter 14. Let's do it over here. There you go, Zora. Let's do it right here. Chapter 14? Yeah, right there. Hit that one. No, 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 Zora. You didn't hit the... I want you to hit the, the arrow right here. Hit the arrow. Wait, see, see the shadow of the stick? No, dog. Hit, go back here. Hit the way the shadow of the stick is. See the arrow right here? Oh. Click on it. Now come down until you find Zechariah. See it right here? Click on it. Now go to chapter 14. Last chapter. All right, just leave it there. Don't click on anything else. Behold. That means what? Pay attention. The day of the Lord is what? Coming. That's what this prophet said. That means, Zora, it is on the way. Apostle Paul says it is on the way. Okay? And your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations of battle against Jerusalem. This is the end time prophecy. All the nations... Does that exclude the United States? No. He said all the nations. And the only ones in the nations that doesn't come against Jerusalem are God's people. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken. It's going to be outnumbered. Millions upon millions of foreign soldiers going to step on the soil of Israel and they're going to conquer Jerusalem. The houses rifled. What did that mean? Stolen. Stolen, that's right. Pilferaged. And the women ravished. What does that mean? Raped. Raped. Half of the city shall go into what? Look at your Bible. Half of the city shall go into what? Captivity. Captivity or what's another name for captivity? Exile. Say again. Exile, Exile or slavery. <laughs> Good word, Miss D. Okay. But the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Otherwise, there will be a small number that will not be taken. Then the Lord, got that? Then the Lord, Yahweh, that's God himself, 
will go forth and fight against these nations. And we do know that in the New Testament, this is who? Jesus. Jesus. And she fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Now listen carefully, because this is cool stuff now. And that day, he will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. Remember, the Mount of Olives is on the east side of Jerusalem, up on a hill, known as Mount Mar Moriah. Why it's called Mount of Olives? Because a bunch of olive trees is planted on it. Which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two. Huge sign. Huge, huge clue. In the book of Ezekiel, it says that the land is going to shift and shall come a brand new river flowing out of the temple, flowing to the east. And everything that's in that river and everything that that river touches shall come to life. And it's going to flow, Maurice, which goes against the, the whole course of gravity. It's going to flow into the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is going to come alive. Right now, because of this salt level, the salinity level of the Dead Sea, I think they say that about 27%, something like that. Uh, nothing lives in it. It says, on that day, it's going to come alive. And G... Geologists say that there's a sea of fresh water below the Mount of Olives. You hear that, Shelley? Mm -hmm. That gives you. Whew. So, in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move towards the north and half of it towards the south. Otherwise, it's going to do this. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach Azel. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. You can go and read about that over in the Chronicles and over in Second Kings. You can read about these kings, okay? Uzziah was a righteous king. He was the one who God had added 15 more years to his life. Because remember, God had told him to get his house in order because he was surely going to die. And he was the one who turned his face towards the wall and wept, again, wept to God. And God sent the prophet Isaiah saying that, I have heard your cry. I have given you. 15 more years Whoa. to live. That's what I'm saying. Yep. And so, 
Let's go on. Thus the Lord my God will come, and all the saints with you. Did you get that? Mm -hmm. And all the saints with you. It shall come to pass in that day that there will be no light. The lights will diminish. That's another clue. Revelation chapter 21 tells you and I that the new city, the new Jerusalem, the new heaven and the new earth, he says that there would be no need for sun or moon. Why? Because God and the Lamb would be the light, what? Thereof. Jesus. That's why James says in chapter 1, he says, God has no shadow of turning. Do you know what that means? God cannot cast a shadow. And he called God the father of lights. God can't cast a shadow. He's pure light. And that's what happened on top of, uh, of the mountain with the three disciples. They saw Jesus going back to his pure form, pure light. And they freaked out, especially Peter who went to run in that mouth. Okay? And I probably would have done worse. All right. Let's take a look a little bit further. Uh, Zora, can you bring, uh, put verse 7 to the top there for me? I want to finish this, this passage in Zechariah before we go back to 2 Thessalonians. It shall be one day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time it shall happen that it will be light. And in that day it shall be that living water shall flow from Jerusalem. And that's the same thing that Ezekiel talks about. And there's a river in the book of Revelation, the last chapter, chapter 22, called the river of life. Flowing from where? From God and from the Lamb, from that temple. Could this be it? I think so. I think so. Guess what else he says? Half of them towards the East Sea and half of them towards the Western Sea. And both summers and winters that shall occur. In other words, this, this fresh water, this new water, this new living water is going to flow forever. It's going to give life to everything that touches, that drinks from it. In fact, in Revelation chapter 22, both the saints, the church, the bride of Christ, along with the Holy Spirit, are going to be telling people, drink, come and drink. Drink. Drink freely from this river. Come get eternal life. Come get eternal life. Come get eternal life. And Jesus gave us a glimpse of it in John chapter 7. He says, anyone drink this water? He said, from his belly shall flow rivers of what? Living water. Referring to the Holy Spirit because it had not yet been given. Now, pretty good stuff from the Lord. I'm telling you, God does not make mistakes. Verse 9, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And that day it shall be the Lord is one and his name one. Now, 
When Israel was still in the wilderness, Moses, on the direction of God, told the nation of Israel this, and the Jews know it as the Shema, S-H-E-M-A. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, for the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, for the Lord is one. What does that mean, Maurice Nelson? For the Lord is one. You got it. There's only one Lord, one God. People won't be running around in that day talking about, oh, whatever name they want to give their false gods. <laughs> it ain't happening. Okay? Verse 10. All the land shall be turned into the plain from Geba to, to, to Remen, south of Jerusalem. Geba is, is a little bit north of Jerusalem. It's actually between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. Okay? King Saul used to live in Geba. That's where his headquarters used to be in Geba. Okay? That's why y'all need to come here so I can teach you these things. Let's move on. Jerusalem shall be raised up and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate to the place of the first gate and the corner gate and from the tower of Heniel to the king's wine presses. The people shall dwell in it and no longer shall there be utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. In other words, God is going to bring peace back to Jerusalem. And I believe it's in Psalms 121, no, Psalms 122, where David encourages us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So, they say, they who love you shall what? Shall prosper. Okay? Now, Thank you, Zora, for bringing it to the top. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Hint, hint. This shall be the plague that the Lord will strike those who fight against Jerusalem. What does that tell you? That means if you are fighting against Jerusalem, God's holy city, God's holy people, God got something for you. You in? Look out. <laughs> if you are in the UN and you're not on the side of Israel, look out. Look out. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets, and their tongue shall dissolve in their mouths. Do you know what that sounds like? A nuclear blast. A who? A nuclear blast. During the days of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, in Hiroshima, 
200,000 people died in Nakasaki, over 70,000 died. When the fireball came down from that weapon, it disintegrated. People died standing up. Their flesh disintegrated on their bones. And when the mushroom went out at over 800 miles an hour, it did what? Utterly destruction. And guess what? It comes back in as fast as it goes out. I think I know a little bit about that, don't I, Shelly? We'll talk offline off about that. Another thing called radiation poison that takes place. And don't let the fireball touch the ground. Because what happens if that fireball touches the ground and it sucks all that dirt up into that mushroom, all that dirt is now radioactive. And wherever that wind blows it and drops it, guess what's going to happen? It's dropping radiation. It will not look pretty. But that does sound like a nuclear weapon. Except it's going to be the glory of Christ. <laughs> Are you hearing me? It's going to be the glory of Jesus. They're going to cause their flesh to melt on their bodies. Let's read on. Look at this. It shall come to pass in that day that a great panic from the Lord will be among them. Everyone will seize the hand of his neighbor and raise his hand against his neighbor's hand. Otherwise, it's going to be a state of confusion. And they're going to fight against each other. The ones who hadn't died like that are going to turn on each other. Judah also will fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the surrounding nations shall be gathered together. What does that mean? That means, remember when we talked about booty, B-O-O-T-Y? Booty is another name for spoils of war. And so, instead of people gathering the spoils of war from Israel, Israel is going to be gathering the spoils of war from the nations. Okay? And the wealth of all the surrounding nations shall be gathered together, gold, silver, and apparel in great abundance. Almost sounds like the exodus from Egypt, doesn't it? <coughs> when Egyptians are pulling off their gold and everything given to the Israelites and giving them the nice cloth and stuff. Them folks, they, they, they was in Egypt as, a poor, as poor slaves left out rich refugees. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? So, thank you. Such also shall be the plague on the horse and the mule, on the camel and the donkey, and on all the cattle that will be in those camps. So shall this plague be, and it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nation will, which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of the tabernacles. In other words, even though all these nations are going to come against Jerusalem, 
God's still going to get some folks that saved out of those nations. And they're going to come and they're going to worship the one true God. Amen. Amen. Woo! They're still going to worship the Lamb. Amen. No more Buddha. No more Confucius. No more Islam. No more any of that stuff. But the one true God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and the Son of God, whose name is Jesus. To the Muslim, Asus. To the Spanish, Asus. Same to the Jews, I mean Germans. And to any other nation on earth, the one true Son of God, they will come and bow down. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Is this good to you all? Verse 17, and it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, and who's the king? And who's the Lord of hosts? Who's the king of kings and the Lord of lords? So whoever doesn't want to come up and worship him, on them there will be no rain. Can you live without rain? That means your creeks will dry up, your ponds and your lakes, your rivers and your wells will all dry up and you will yeah. die. Whoa. Bad death. God is not messing around, is he? That's a bad death. And this time right here possibly could be the thousand year millennium. Because remember, the judgment day is not going to happen until after the Jesus ruled on earth for a thousand years. That possibly will be during the millennium rule of Christ. Now, if the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain. Shake, shake with Magola. They shall receive the plague with which the Lord strikes the nation who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Do you know what the, the Feast of Tabernacles are? Is, I mean, the Feast of Tabernacles. Anyone know what that feast is? What is Tabernacle? What's another name for the Tabernacle? The tent. Tent or booth. Okay? That means when they came up out of Egypt, they had to make makeshift shelters. To keep them from under the sun, you know, keep the sun off of them. And if it rained, to keep the rain off of them. And at night, to kind of keep some of the coolness off of them. Because in the, in the desert, during the day it gets hot, and at night it gets cool. So you need some kind of shelter. So, because they had to leave out of Egypt so fast, all the thing they had was the clothes on their backs, and a little bit of food, and what? Whatever they could carry. They, hit, they had to hit it. They had to get out of there. So they had to use sheets and blankets or whatever they had to make makeshift shelters while they were out there in that wilderness. So God said he wanted them once a year to do this for a week in honor to him 
for bringing them out and also for them to remember that the Lord brought them out of Egypt. Okay? So, we're almost finished. Verse 20, And that day holiness to the Lord shall be engraved on the bells of the horses. The pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yes, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness to the Lord of hosts. Everyone who sacrifices shall come and take them and cook in them. And that day there shall no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. Why? Because through Jesus, everyone that comes and worship him will be sons and daughters of God. Remember John chapter 1 verse 12. As many as received him, he gave them rights to become what? Children of God, all those who trust in his name. So, back to 2 Thessalonians as we close it out. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Zora. In verse 7. Come on down. Come on down. All the way down. Right there. One more. Up. Uh, verse chapter 2, chapter 2, and put verse 7 up to the top. Okay. So, we know a lot of things going to happen between now and that day. And a lot of those things may have already happened. Because right now, there is a worldwide lawlessness. I tried to talk to a certain leader over there, and I was told that I keep my religion private. That's what that person told me when I tried to talk to that person about the Lord Jesus Christ. That person told me I keep my religion private. But guess what? If any of you all have been taught anything from God's word, there's no such thing as private religion with Jesus. You must make a public profession of faith. Okay? Because Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father and his angels. Just a public thing. Say, I belong to Jesus. Okay? Aiden, wake up. We're just about finished. So, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, only he who now restrains, who is he? Who is he? Jesus. The Holy Spirit. If God takes the Holy Spirit out of this world, can you imagine the chaos that would come upon the world? Demons will wreak havoc with the human race. Only because God's Spirit is here, maintaining order, are we able to come to Jesus and God. Only because of the work of the Holy Spirit on earth. If it wasn't for Him, no human can understand that we are sinners against God and that God sent His Son Jesus to die for us and that He redeemed us with His own blood. It's the Spirit of God that convicts us of sin. God moves Him out of the way. There's no hope for the human race.
So look at this. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. The Holy Spirit is going to be removed so that the Antichrist can come forth. Because remember, now he's not going to be taken out of his children. He's still, because remember Paul says in Ephesians that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. In other words, to the day that Jesus come to get us, God's Spirit is going to be in us. Jesus says to the disciples, he said, you know him for he's with you. He said, he's in you and you know him and he will abide with you forever. I mean, the Holy Spirit would never leave us. All right. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Once God removed the Holy Spirit out the way, the Antichrist is going to be known, made known worldwide. Look at it. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish. Among those who perish. In other words, if you're not a child of God now, when the, whole, when the Antichrist comes on the scene, God has already got you marked. Mm -hmm. You will follow the Antichrist. Look at it. Verse 10. Because they did not receive the love of the truth. What is the love of the truth? What is the love of the truth? God's word. John 17, 17. Jesus is praying to his father. Sanctify them in thy word. Thy, no, he says, sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. That's it. They don't believe the gospel. I've had many tell me over the years, I don't believe that. That's your interpretation of the Bible. But my interpretation of the Bible says I can do this and I can do that. I said, no, that's your sinful heart. And you don't want to turn away from it because you love sin more than you love God. Now, as we look on here, sir, can you put verse 11 to the top for me? Then reconcile it in a little box. There you go. And here's what's going to happen to those who refuse to follow our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you ready for it? Maurice Nelson, Shelley, Miss T, Mr. T, Gatelli, Zora, Samuel, Matthew, and Aiden, Scholar was wrong here, and all the others who named the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior. Make sure you are rooted and grounded in Christ. Make sure those who tell you that they're saved 
tell them they better start living like they're saved. Because there's something coming. God's going to do something with those who are only pretending to be saved. Because Paul does say there is a form of godliness out there. There is a form of godliness. Meaning there are people who to us, you know, they look saved. They talk saved. But they're not saved. Judas spoke the language of Christ. Judas performed miracles. Did Jesus not send him out as with the twelve and pairs of tools to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to raise the dead? Did not Jesus commission him like he did the other eleven to go and do those things? Yes, he did. And did Judas do those things? Yes, he did. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. So he had the power in Jesus' name, but he didn't have Jesus. And that's what I talked to the Lord about. I said, Lord, I want to make sure I have you. And I said, Jesus, I know, and I've told the Lord this over the years, I, I guess hundreds of times, I know that I'm incapable of living holy and righteous on my own. Because I know me. But with you, I can. So I'm dependent on you, Jesus, to see me through. I know you died on the cross for my sins because the word of God does not lie. And your spirit testifies in me that you've done these things. I know you saved me. Therefore, I know had it not been for you being the righteousness of God on our behalf, how can any of us be saved? I know these things. So that's why I, Samuel, am dependent on you to see me through to the end because I can't do it on my own. No matter how many sermons I preach, no matter how many Bible studies I teach, no matter how much I pray and how much I read and study the Word of God, I'm still insufficient on my own to be the Holy Son of God, Jesus, that you say that I'm to be. I just can't do it because I keep showing you over and over again how I sin. That's why I know you had to die for me. If, it were, if I was the only human on earth just knowing me, Jesus, I know you would have died for me. Because I need you. Any witnesses in here? Amen. Let's finish this one up. So he goes on. And, this, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusions that they should believe what? They shall believe the lie. Whatever the Antichrist speaks, whatever the son of perdition speaks, the man of sin, whatever he speaks, they will 
believe it. Why? As Paul says in Romans 8, the spirit of truth, which is known as the spirit of life and the spirit of Christ, does not live in them. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I'm going to tell you, there are some things had it not been from the Holy Ghost that I used to do, I would still be doing them things today. I'm telling you that right now. If the Holy Ghost did not stop me from drinking, guess what? If he didn't stop me from partying, guess what? If he didn't stop me from being a womanizer, guess what? And then I probably lost my life too because Miss Nelson would have killed me. <laughs> Had the Holy Ghost not stopped me, I mean really stopped me from doing the physical acts, I would still be doing those things. Not letting on in my mind, fighting that battle in my mind. Any witnesses? Come on now. I'm speaking truth to you. I'm being a glass house. I'm telling you. And in front of the Holy Ghost. If my life was a motion picture and he flashed it up on that screen, y'all would go running out of here as fast as you could. Or would you stay you see the spirit of the Lord saying to me, Samuel, I love you. Don't do that. Jesus loves you. Don't do that. The Holy One who sits upon the throne loves you. Don't do that. Fix your mind back on Jesus. You don't know how many times during the day, the Holy Ghost have told me, fix your eyes back on Jesus. I go through that daily. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you what I go through. I'm being honest before God and you. All right, I was getting late. We're waiting on. We used to stop when Tamara walked in with the kids. But I know you have to work tomorrow. So let's finish so that for your sake you can you can walk out. Now, where was I? In verse 12, we know that they're gonna be condemned. Verse 13, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you. Paul said, listen. You're our testimony. We're giving God thanks for your life. Because we know what God has done in you by Christ Jesus. We know what the Lord Jesus Christ has done with your life. Now, if you know the history behind the church in Thessalonica, you know what those folks used to do? Oh, my goodness. Any of these churches that Paul wrote about, none of them had a good track record. Not a one. And, and, and there's one that's listed in the book of Revelation. 
that Paul wrote a letter to. He even visited him. He started the church. We know it as the book of Ephesians. It just so happened to be the first church on the list in the book of Revelation that God told Paul, I mean John to, he said, write to the angel of the church of Ephesus. And one thing that he, can, he had warned them on, he said, you're doing a lot of good stuff, but you've forgotten one thing, your first love. Return back to your first love. I hear that sometime in the spirit, Samuel. Return back to your first love. You're doing a lot of good church stuff, but you can't do it without Christ. I get so sick of people telling me, oh, you're doing a good job here. And when I try to tell them Jesus in their, their minds, their earthly minds, can, oh, but you the man, you got to be doing something. And go, no, 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 you don't understand. It's all about Jesus. Okay. It's not about me. Finishing up, verse 14, excuse me, verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brother and beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation. Maurice Nelson, why are you saved? Yes. No. Turn that around. Look up there. Verse 13. Because God from the beginning chose you for salvation. That's why you're saved, son. That's my baby. Why are you saved, Mr. Tully? No, sir. You're saved because God chose you for salvation. In our own human ability, we did not choose God. Like Jesus told the disciples in John chapter 15. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and to produce fruit and that your fruit shall remain. So, verse 14, uh, uh, he said, because from the beginning God chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Let me break it down just a little bit. Sanctification is another word for holiness. Otherwise, God has chose you for salvation and for you to live holy, having faith in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? To which he called you by our gospel for the attaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brothers, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught. In other words, this gospel. Whether by word or our epistles. In other words, if I, whether you heard it directly, okay, like I'm talking to Miss T right now, or by a letter that he wrote to them. That's what he mean by epistle. He said, doesn't matter which way, if you were told face to face or you received a letter, hold on to that which you were taught. It's amazing how some of these Christian kids get to college and their professors turn them against Jesus. You want to know a true saying? God can't lose what he never had. Take that to the bank. 
You hear me? God can't lose what he never had. As Paul told Tim, it's a sure foundation. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And that everyone that named the name of Jesus depart from iniquity. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and, and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation. Another word for what? Salvation. And good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. In other words, get off your duffel bag, do some work, preach the gospel for Jesus Christ. God has established you for this purpose. So, closing it out, Paul is saying to this church, the day of the Lord hadn't happened yet. A lot of things will happen. And it's going to be a bad time when there's going to be a great falling away from Christ. And that go hand in hand with uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, where Paul wrote to Timothy and says, The Spirit has expressly said that in the latter days, many will depart from the faith. And do what? He said, and give heed to seducing spirits, the doctrine of demons. If it ain't of Christ, it must be of who? The devil. Any questions? So here, the witness of Christ ministries, for those that are around the world, we want you to know the truth. God's word is truth. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Christ is the anointed one, the Messiah that the Jews been looking for. He's already come and he died on the cross. Down on the cross means he became a curse for us, which the Jews don't understand how the Messiah could be cursed by God. Because they know that Moses said, curses everyone that hangs on a tree for God has eternally condemned him. But God didn't eternally condemn Jesus. God raised him from the dead. That proves it, that God did not condemn the Messiah. But God did allow him to be hung on the tree for our sins. And God placed our sins upon him. And through the blood of Jesus, the Messiah of God, the Holy One of God, he washed all our sins away by his own blood. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. So we're asking you now to stop believing in false gods, false religions, and turn to the one true God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, by turning to his son, Jesus. Jesus Christ is not dead. Jesus Christ is alive and sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And God's going to send him back to judge the living and the dead. And those that want to have their prayers, requests sent to us, we're located at 18583 High Springs, Main Street, High Springs, Florida, 32643. And if you ever want to call us, you can also call us at area code 386-454-7594. You can even email us at wcmhighsprings at gmail.com. That is wocmhighsprings at gmail.com. Also, we have a web page. You can go wcmhighsprings.com. You can also find us on Facebook. 
And uh, let me see, our podcast address is, I have it around here. I have to read it to you because I don't quite remember it off the top of my head. Our podcast is, first of all, our Facebook address is facebook.com slash, that's, that's the forward slash, WCM High Springs. And then to see our podcast, you can go http colon forward slash forward slash WOCM High Springs dot podbean, that's P O D B E A N dot com slash or forward slash feed, F E E D. And you'll be able to listen to this podcast. God bless you. I'm going to ask Matthew Nelson to close us in prayer. And we'll give you glory, Father, in Jesus' name. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this Bible study that we just received. And I pray that everyone who everyone loves him, including us, gets the wrong part. Tonight, and I thank you for this day, and I thank you for the, the ministry allowing children to come here and learn more about you. And I thank you for <coughs> everyone and everyone that's in our absence. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In Jesus' name. <laughs>